Genesis. Today we're going to take a look um, back in the book of Genesis. We've been going through the book of Genesis if you're visiting with us and kind of just looking at it chunk by chunk. And today we're going to come to Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to look at the lives of two guys you've probably heard about already, Cain and Abel. And uh, as we look at these, and we're going to read that in just a moment, as we look at these, we're going to discover something about them. We're going to try to figure out a difference between them. Um, and um, I really sense the Lord's direction today. I had really, when I planned this, to do a, a, a much broader sermon. And actually I developed the one first point I wanted to talk to into the whole sermon today. Because I think God wants to kind of pound a, a point home for all of us today, um, adults and children alike. Because we're going to look at Cain and Abel, and we're going to see the difference. And the difference we're going to look at between these two guys, their two brothers, the first children of Adam and Eve, the thing that we're going to see about these two men is that they both had a religious framework. And what I mean by that is they, had an, they, they attempted to come to God. They had a religious system of wanting to come in to worship God. And one did it, and what he did was blessed and accepted by God. And one also came and had a religious um, activity. He did things in worship, but it wasn't received by God, and he didn't receive the blessing of God. And as a matter of fact, in the end, he got ticked at it, got so angry at it, that he killed his brother who did it right. And I find that really interesting, and we won't go into detail there, but how, how often does that happen? That uh, the ones who are serving right are attacked by the ones who aren't. Um, and I really think that's quite common. It's been over since the very first children in the Bible. So grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 of Genesis chapter 4. It said, Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, so this is Adam and Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well... Will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the, do- crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. I'm hoping next week to talk about that. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. What a story. That's uh, not the way brothers ought to get along. So, boys, every time I've ever said you're fighting, you've done all right, because uh, you never killed each other out in the field. Um, you tried to a few times. But, um, you know, we look at these two guys, and we discover that Abel, what he did, pleased God in the way that he related to him, but Cain did not please God in the way that he tried to relate to God. And I find this really interesting because both of these men obviously valued a relationship with God. They both must have had something in them that said, I want to be right with God. Because both of them took of their produce, took of their, of their product, of what they raised, and they both brought offerings to the Lord to show God that they loved Him and they wanted to please God. Yet one did please God and one didn't please God. And the question is, Why? Why would one have pleased God and one not have pleased God? And, and that question, why, is really important today because this is um, 
we live in a world where billions of people are on planet Earth, and I think they're still trying to do the same thing that Cain did. Um, they have a religious structure, religious system, and activities, and they're trying to please God. A lot of people are trying in this world to please God, yet this story and the rest of Scripture shows us that religious activity alone and good motives alone, which Cain had both of, um, don't necessarily lead us to God. Now that's something hard for people to grasp because we want to just say, well, I, I tried hard. I had good motives. And people always say this, oh, what was the intention of their heart? That's not always the most important thing, the intention of the heart. You can be well-intended and be wrong. And that's what this story is really all about, being well-intended and being wrong. So the question that we have to figure out today is, from the scriptures, why was Abel and his offering accepted, but Cain was rejected? They were both religious men who tried to connect with God. One's accepted by God, one's rejected by God. And so we've got to figure that out because then we need to learn from them. We need to learn what do we do and what does our world do and what, what message do we have for the world around us on how you can rightly be accepted by God. And the first thing we learn by looking here. Is, and this is the most important thing. This is the thing we're going to center on the whole day today is just this one statement. And it's this, that there is a proper way to come to God. That there is a right way for us to come to God. I've heard people say things in the world like this, well, all roads lead to heaven. The Bible would say that's not true. Cain's experience would say that that's not true. And I think this is a really hard um, statement for us to accept as Americans because we have been raised from little tiny children being taught to be highly independent and highly individualistic and we want to do things our way. Isn't that the American way? You know, when I lived in Asia, it was really strange being around people who didn't seem to have that innate thing within them that said, I want to do it my way. They were great followers because they had never been trained to be independent. They'd always been trained from birth to be followers and to be group-orientated. In America, we're just the opposite. We're trained to not follow. We're trained to, to get out and, and lead and, and take charge and go for the brass ring. That's the American way. And I'm not saying that's bad in many areas of life. But we're going to find out here that, that there is a proper way, there is a right way to come to God. And understand today, friends, that the one who sets the rules for how we're supposed to come to God, for how this whole system works, is God himself. It's not man. We don't get to make the rules. You know, God has a way for man to come into a right relationship with him. And we have to understand something. He's the one who's in charge. And here what we have in this text is God revealing in this very embryonic seed form, we're going to understand that in a while, um, the way he wants men and women to come into a right relationship with God. And the way to look at it is this. The difference between Cain and Abel is a difference between an offering and a sacrifice. And that's what we really want to think about today. That God's got a way to come to him and God's way deals with sacrifice. And Cain came with an offering. Now who, what, what, what did Cain do from a job from reading the text? What kind of job did Cain have? Dave, you identify with him probably. He was a what? He was a farmer. He was a tiller of the ground. Not just a farmer, because a farmer we could think of somebody growing crops or raising animals. But he was a farmer who worked with the dirt. He was a dirt farmer. Okay, there we go. And uh, he, what did he do in the story? He says he brought God. Remember, this was his religious activity. He's trying to come to God and please God. Let's put it in context. That's what he's doing here. He's trying to bless God and honor God and connect with God. 
And in his attempt to connect with God, he brings some of, it says, the fruit of his labors, some of the fruit of the ground, it says. Now, what did he bring? We don't know. It doesn't say, but maybe he brought vegetables or fruits or nuts from trees that he had grown. We don't know, but we probably, we can know this. It was probably really nice stuff. If he grew tomatoes, I don't think he probably said, well, here's the one that's half rotted. I'll put that in the bottom of the basket. No, he probably brought the best. He took the best of his stuff, and his stuff was costly. You know, if you've gone and bought fruit and vegetables lately, they're not cheap. You know, and he took costly stuff that he raised to feed his family, and he brought this costly um, stuff that he worked very hard for, and tilling the ground and caring for it and watering it, and he brought it as an offering to the Lord. Now, what did Cain do that was different? Or Abel, rather. Abel, what was his job? A shepherd, a, a rancher, it says he's a keeper of the flocks. Uh, he was a rancher. And he brought God also from the fruit of his labors. But what did he bring? He brought something different to the Lord. It says that he brought the firstlings of the flock and their fat portions. Now, can you bring fat portions without killing something? No. Um, he obviously slaughtered some of his animals, maybe sheep, maybe cattle, we don't know, it doesn't say, but he slaughtered some of his animals and he brought those slaughtered animals and their fat portions, which according to scripture was the most choice part of the animal. Interesting, we throw it away. Um, when I have a steak, confession time, I make sure that I have a lot of fat on there and char that till it's nice and dark and, and eat it. Um, but, you know, I'm just trying to be Jewish, you know, I'm trying to be Old Testament here. I brought the fat portion and, um, and, and so what happened? God receives both of these from the guys, but he only accepts Abel's. He only accepts what comes from Abel. And the question is, why? And the answer is this. The reason he only accepted Abel's, which was a sacrifice, and it's called it an offering, and there's no offering, he gives a sacrifice as an offering to the Lord, um, is that he, God is beginning to reveal more fully his plan for the redemption of mankind. That's what God is, is concerned with here. He's concerned with explaining to humanity and Cain and Abel, explain to them his plan for the redemption of humanity. He's showing man how they need to come to him. These guys are coming to God and he's saying to them, now listen, now you're coming to me, that's great, but you've got to understand I have some rules and some ideas on how you're supposed to come to me. Now, do you remember back in chapter 3? We've been going through Genesis for a few months now. We talked about chapter 3 in Genesis a while back. We saw the first glimpse into God's plan for forgiving the sins of man. Remember, Adam and Eve sinned, and the serpent, de the serpent deceived Eve and, and said, why don't you eat the fruit? And he tricked her, and we looked at that, and, and she ate. And then after God comes in, to them in the, in the day, and he says, Adam and Eve, where are you? And remember what they said? We're hiding. And why are they hiding? Because they realize they're naked. Why did they realize they're naked? Because God had opened up their eyes. Their eyes had been opened because they ate from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God then one by one, starting with Satan, begins to, to pronounce a judgment upon them. He judges the serpent, he judges Eve, and he judges Adam. And when he judged the serpent, do you remember what he said? He's something about the, the very beginning place. It's the first place of sin. And he talks about the first begin to unveil the plan of redemption or how people get saved, how they come into a right relationship with God. And he says this to the serpent. He says, down the road is what it really says, a seed of the woman will arise 
and he will crush your head and you will bruise him on the heel. And we looked at that and talked about how that was the first um, explanation of how salvation was going to come to man. And salvation is what? It's about man and God being separated and having the division being removed and man and God come together. That's what salvation is. That's what redemption is. It's we are once far from God, now we're close to God. Now we have no dividing wall between us that the sin used to have. And God reveals, he said, the way I'm going to deal with this is I'm going to have the seed of the woman, who he said was, was Jesus, and he, he is, he's going to crush your head, Satan, and he does that. He destroys Satan. He destroys death, hell, and the grave when he died and rose from the, from the grave, being the first one to raise from the grave. And everybody who follows him after has that hope that we also will have eternal life. I did my grandma's funeral on uh, Tuesday, or uh, yeah, Tuesday this week. My, my grandma died as a Christian, and I was able to say, I know grandma's in heaven because she knew Jesus. It promised of, e- of eternal life. And so he, crushed, he, he, he crushes a serpent's head, and Jesus was bruised. He died on the cross, but he rose again. And that was the first glimpse into how God is saying, this is the way that you need to come to me. It's going to be through my son. Now, just the very next chapter in Genesis, chapter 4, God now takes his revelation of his plan for man's redemption a step further. And the way he takes it a step further is he accepts the gift of Abel because his gift is a sacrifice. You see, it's, it was, he slaughtered the animals, and it was a sacrifice. As a sacrifice, it is a picture of Jesus who would die for the sins of mankind. Jesus' death would be a substitute for our lives, for all of mankind, and he would be the sacrifice to pay for our sins. So Abel slaughtered his animal, and what he did is he was really representing what Jesus would do thousands of years later when he died on the cross. And God is trying to to say, this is the way to come to me. Cain, you brought some nice stuff, but that doesn't do it. That doesn't bridge the sin gap. But Abel, you did it right. You brought a sacrifice to me, and this is looking down the road to what um, would be, that Jesus would die on the cross. You see, Abel's sacrifice had the same significance as the Jewish sacrifices had um, later in history. You know, when God spoke through Moses and gave him the the law, um, in that law he instituted what? Animal sacrifices. Isn't that kind of a gory thing? Why did God do that? He instituted animal sacrifices annually. The, the, um, they would come and then they would sacrifice the lamb um, for, with the, the, for atonement. And they would roll people's sins ahead for another year. Basically forgive them for that year and roll them ahead for another year. And that, that, that was the picture who would come later, Jesus. So he starts way back here with Cain and Abel and he says, it's all about a sacrifice. Then he institutes the Jewish law that's all about sacrifice. Why? It's all looking forward to the day that Jesus would hang on a cross and would give his life as a sacrifice for humanity. And God's beginning to unroll or reveal that plan to mankind all the way back in Genesis 3 and now in Genesis chapter 4. And friends, in the scriptures, in referring to those annual annual sacrifices, the author of Hebrews says this about the sacrifices. It says, according to the law, the law of Moses, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Some of your Bibles say it this way, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Friends, God's plan for forgiving man had to do with the shedding of Jesus' blood. And God established a process here for how mankind is to approach him and to relate to him. Cain may have thought, well, I got a better way. 
My way doesn't involve killing anything. My way doesn't involve blood and gore and sacrifice. But God says, your way may seem okay, but your way is not my way. And that's the point God's trying to make here. You know, this process um, that, that that he's showing between Cain and Abel has to do with dealing with the sin that causes the division between God and man. The way that he deals with sin with sin in our lives that separates us, was by having Jesus shed his blood to wash our sins away. And the Jewish sacrificial system revealed that and foreshadowed it. And in this text, Abel's sacrifice points to that system that will be established later. Now, is that making sense to you? Making sense what I'm saying? Some of you are saying, oh, I always wondered, why did he accept one and not the other? This is the reason why. Abel brought a sacrifice. He worshipped according to God's plan. God was revealing this plan. Now he didn't just write it on a piece of paper at this time. He's revealing it at this time and that's why he says I accept this and I reject that. But Cain brought an offering. It may have been nice but it wasn't in line with how God wants man to come to him so God rejects Cain's offering. And in the text he says something. He says Cain why why is your countenance fell? Just do what's right and your countenance will be lifted up. God says, you got it wrong, but now you can get it right. He says, there's a plan and a process I have, and it has to do with sacrifice, and you don't, you've done it wrong, but now just do it right, and you will um, be in, in, uh, in right relationship with me. So here now, here's the big question. Why is this so important to us today, all these years later? Because you say we understand all of this. We understand all the gospel. Why? Because the way to coming to God is still the same. God is the one who made the system. God is the one who established the plan. God is the one who sent his son into our world to die for our sins. It's all about Jesus still today. And here's what we need to understand. Kids, here's what you need to understand when you go to your classes and you have your study on different world religions. You do it in middle school, you do it in high school, you do it in college. Here's what you need to understand. Any religious framework, any religious system that is established, that is not built upon the truth of Jesus, will be rejected by God, just like Cain's offering was rejected. That's what God wants us to understand today. Any system that we say, it makes sense, it looks pretty, it looks nice, it doesn't have all the gore. Any system that that looks nice, that is not based upon Jesus, will lead you to the same place that Cain went. Cain said, I'm trying my best, but God said, okay, I, I value your effort. You get an A for effort, Cain, but you get an F because you didn't come according to my plan. And friends, there are many religions and philosophies that sound really good and they look really pretty, but they are wrong because they are not centered on Jesus. Because that Jesus is God's plan for making men and women right with him. And you need to understand that. Because we live in a world where it is very, the persuasion is very strong to say, okay, it's all right for you to believe that way, but I believe this way. Now, somebody else has the right to believe their own way. But the fact of the matter is, you need to set out in your heart right now. They can believe whatever they want. But if it's not according to God's plan, it's wrong. And it will lead you to the same place that it led Cain. 
that the only way that is right is according to God's plan. And God's plan says it's all about the sacrifice of Jesus. Does that make sense today? We need to stand firm on that in our day and age. That says there's a million roads to heaven. There's not. And it's not my plan. It's not that, oh, who made you God say it, say it, Mark? No one did. He did. He's the God of the book. And he's the God who says, this is the only way. And friends, this is nothing new. This was the problem that much of the nation of Israel had in the Apostle Paul's day. The Apostle Paul, you know, he was at what? What nationality? Jewish, just like Jesus. He's Jewish. And he comes, he was a very zealous um, pursuer of the Jewish way who then comes into a right relationship with God through whom? Jesus. He does it by the sacrifice. He does it through Christ. And he looks at his, na- his nation, his friends, his family members that he loves, and he says something about him. He says, you know what? They love God. They want to know God, but they just don't seem to get it. They want to come to God, but they want to come to God on their own terms. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans. This describes, this shows you that people are the same as they've always been. Romans chapter 10. People are really no different today than they were thousands of years ago, over 2,000 years ago when when uh, Paul encountered this. He's writing about all of Romans here. He's talking about um, national Israel, that they need to get saved in this section, and that their hearts are not with God. In verse 10, chapter 1, it says this, Brethren, he's writing to other Christians, My heart's desire and my prayer to God is for them, for them is their salvation. Now, who's the them? Israel. He's talking about Israel. So my prayer, my heart's desire, and my prayer to God for Israel is for their salvation. In other words, they're not saved. They're not in a right relationship with God, even though they had all the laws. Chapter verse 2. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, and that's a good thing, right? But not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. Look at that. He says they are in a system that has blinded them, this religious system. They're so convinced that they're right that they couldn't see the truth. They had a zeal in their system to serve God. That's a great thing. There's a lot of people who don't seem to care. These people cared. They have a zeal for God, but that zeal is without knowledge. That does, you know, and, and here's the truth. That doesn't cut it with God. You say, but I tried. Okay. Cain tried too, but he found out that that doesn't get you right with God. That God has a plan. They had a zeal without knowledge. Look at what verse 3 says. It says, For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. They didn't know about God's righteousness or God's way of making them right, which was through faith in Jesus. So they sought to establish their own righteousness, to establish their own way of being right in God's eyes. They kept with the law, even though God was saying Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And what's it say here? A key word. They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. They didn't do it God's way. In other words, they said, I'm doing it my way. And the result... Paul's got to sit there and pray, I wish my people were saved. He says they're lost. 
They missed God. They had all kinds of religious activity. They're slaughtering animals. They're doing all this stuff. They're, they're burning incense. They're doing all this stuff. They tell everybody else that they're right and everybody else is wrong. Kind of a hallmark of, of national Israel. They thought they were right and everybody else was wrong. But the reality that Paul says they missed God because they tried to serve Him their own way instead of God's way. And friends, we need to be certain of one thing today. That no matter what anyone else says, no matter how convincing their argument or their philosophy may sound, that God's word says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. That that's God's word. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That that is God's plan, and that God's plan is not up for debate. Even if we come up with a system that sounds really nice and looks really pretty. So friends, in conclusion today, let's let Cain serve as an example of what um, much of the world does and probably we do at times too, so let's not be too harsh, seeking to serve God in their own ways, thinking that um, their way is right, instead of following God's plan for coming to Him according to His word. And let's let Abel serve as an example of one who didn't try to come up with his own plan. I don't think he was any smarter than Cain. They both produced stuff. They just gave their produce. And God said to Abel, yours is the right one. He was teaching a process. And so he just simply trusted in that. He trusted in God, in essence, to wash his sins away, to get right with God. He didn't understand that fully. He didn't know he was looking at, looking down the road and being part of a revelation of God's truth that he was trying to explain. He didn't get that. But he, but he understood that God was saying that I want you to come to me through sacrifice. And he just trusted in that and said, God, I want to walk according to your plan. And God gave Cain the same chance, but Cain chose in pride to reject it. And so Abel is the example we need to follow of saying, God, you revealed your way. Now I want to walk in your way. Isn't that a good, exam- a good, a good thing for us to do today, kids? Everybody? We follow Abel, and we don't go, we don't go our way, Cain. I'm telling you, it's tough in this world to not just say, especially as an American, I'm going to do it my way. You know, who was the Vegas singer? Frank Sinatra. Sang it till he died. I did it my way. Well, big deal. You did it your way. So did Cain. And where did it end up? He ended up banished. You know, with a, with a mark showing the curse of God on him and he was a wanderer. Is that what you want for your life? No. We want to be in a right relationship with God. And how does it do it? By not doing it my way, but doing it his way. Amen? Stand with me this morning.